Thank you for watching NTD Business coming up. TikTok CEO grilled by lawmakers from both parties in a high-profile hearing today. You say with 100% certainty that ByteDance or the CCP cannot use your company. How did he respond and did the CEO in any way convince them? U.S. banks losing deposits, especially after the bank collapses this month. How much did the most vulnerable banks likely lose? How does the government's effort to support failing banks affect your pocketbook? We have economist Peter Schiff later in the show. Starbucks' new CEO says he plans to work barista shifts in stores every month. Why? And short seller Hindenburg betting against Jack Dorsey's payment firm called Block. What did it claim and how much did Block shares drop today? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Good to have you with us, Don Mack here. TikTok CEO was grilled by Congress today. TikTok is the popular video sharing app used by 150 million Americans. He tried to convince lawmakers that the Chinese Communist Party can't access TikTok user data and that TikTok is working hard to remove content that harms children. Watch. ByteDance is not owned or controlled by the Chinese government. It's a private company. 60% of the company is owned by global institutional investors. 20% is owned by the founder and 20% owned by employees around the world. ByteDance has five board members. Three of them are American. Now, TikTok itself is not available in mainland China. We're headquartered in Los Angeles and in Singapore, and we have 7,000 employees in the U.S. today. But lawmakers were not convinced. Chairwoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers set the tone and began the hearing by saying they don't believe any of the CEO's claims. Your platform should be banned. I expect today you'll say anything to avoid this outcome like you are 100% responsible for what TikTok does, that you suddenly endorse a national data privacy standard, that Project Texas is more than a marketing scheme, that TikTok doesn't harm our innocent children, or that your ties to the Chinese Communist Party through ByteDance is just a myth. We aren't buying it. Many lawmakers were in the same camp. Congressman Neil Dunn said he doesn't find the CEO to be credible. Congressman Mark Vesey said his evasiveness in answering questions is disturbing. And Congresswoman Anna Eshoo says she finds the CEO's testimony to be preposterous. Another lawmaker, Representative Bill Johnson, happened to be an information technology professional. He also accused the CEO of being evasive. TikTok source code is riddled with backdoors and CCP censorship devices. Here's the truth. In a million lines of code, the smallest shift from a zero to a one on just one of thousands of versions of TikTok on the market will unlock explicit CCP censorship and access to American data. Congresswoman Debbie Lesko asked the CEO about the Chinese Communist Party's persecution of Uyghur Muslims. Numerous governments and human rights groups have found evidence that the CCP is committing crimes against humanity and possibly genocide against its Uyghur population. Watch. Mr. Chu, do you agree that the Chinese government has persecuted the Uyghur population? Congresswoman, you, if you use our app and you open it, you will find our users who that's get not, all sorts of content. That's not my question. My question is, do you agree that the Chinese government has persecuted the Uyghur population? 
while it's really concerning to hear about all accounts of human rights abuse, my role here is to explain what our platform does on this. It's a pretty easy question. Do you agree that the Chinese government has persecuted the Uyghur population? Congresswoman, I'm here to describe TikTok and what we do as a platform. And as All a right. platform, we allow our users to freely express All their right. views on this issue Earlier and any today, other issue that matters to them. Well, you didn't answer the question. The five-hour hearing was heated from beginning to end. Other topics included how TikTok is bad for children, how China could manipulate Americans and put user data into its AI algorithms. TikTok's CEO had a very low profile before today. He may have appeared publicly to try and persuade lawmakers TikTok is safe. But with many flat out saying they don't believe him, chances of a nationwide ban may be rising. We'll keep you updated. But also stay tuned for NTD Evening News at 6.30 p.m. You can hear more from Epoch Times senior investigative journalist Joshua Phillip about how the Chinese Communist Party could be using TikTok to, to destroy minds and morality of America's youth. On to Wall Street. Indexes closed higher today. The Dow added 75 points or 0.2 percent. S&P gained 12 points or 0.3 percent. And the Nasdaq rose 117 points or 1 percent. Citigroup CEO Jane Fraser is confident in the banking system despite the recent bank failures. She echoed Fed Chair Jerome Powell's view that the U.S. banking system is sound. This is not something that is spread across the entire banking system. This isn't like it was last time. This is not a credit crisis. Um, This is a situation where it's a few banks um, that have some problems, and it's better to make sure that we nip that in the bud. Fraser said this at the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. In the past two weeks, a lot has happened. Two U.S. banks collapsed, and Swiss bank Credit Suisse was taken over by UBS. Contrary to Fraser's confidence in the banking system, another financial leader warned that the banking turmoil isn't over yet. I mean, again, depending what you define by crisis, the, the, I think that we will have a significant number of more banks that will not exist 12, 24 months from now that exist today. Luke Ellis is the CEO of Man Group, one of the largest publicly traded hedge funds. He believes more companies could be acquired by competitors, as was the case with Credit Suisse. Ellis says that the risks are with smaller regional banks and some retail banks. Since last year, the most vulnerable U.S. banks likely lost $1 trillion in deposits. That's according to analysts at J.P. Morgan. They say the banks lost half of that amount this month alone after Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. The J.P. Morgan team did not say which banks they thought were most vulnerable or how many there were. They did say of the $17 trillion of total U.S. bank deposits, $7 trillion is not insured by the FDIC. They also warned that banks could become more cautious on lending and the risk is heightened because mid- and small-sized banks play such a large role in U.S. bank lending. And earlier I spoke with economist Peter Schiff. I got his thoughts on where inflation is headed and what he thinks about the current state of the banking sector. Here are some highlights from the interview. Joining me is Peter Schiff, chief economist at Euro-Pacific Asset Management. Now, let me just get some reactions from you, Peter. Uh, Yesterday's uh, speech, Powell says the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. What do you think? Well, it's not sound at all. It is a house of cards that is starting to collapse. And the reason that the banking system is so unsound is really twofold. One, the Federal Reserve kept interest rates at zero for over a decade, basically. 
And during that time, banks loaded up on low yielding, a long duration treasuries and mortgage backed securities. They did this because they couldn't get any yield on short term uh, instruments. So they, they went out on the yield curve. But the reason they were able to take so much risk is because the government guarantees the bank accounts. And so the customers of the banks really didn't care what the banks did with their money because they were confident that if anything went wrong, the government would bail them out. That was the moral hazard that everybody learned from the 2008 financial crisis. And that's why this financial crisis, and everybody is reluctant to label it a financial crisis, but it is, is much worse than the one that we had in 2008, because thanks to the mistakes that the Fed has made since that crisis, uh, we have a much bigger bubble now. The, the Fed caused the bubble that led to the financial crisis of 2008, and then they inflated a bigger bubble to try to paper over uh, those mistakes and kick the can down the road so that we wouldn't have to deal with the full consequences of resolving all those mistakes. And of course, we just compounded the problem with bigger mistakes. And now the U.S. economy is poised on the biggest economic disaster in, in its history. You know, in, in this whole thing, uh, Treasury Secretary Jenny Yellen is saying not a single taxpayer dollar is going into bailing out uh, the banks. Uh, let me get your uh, thoughts. Who's bailing it out? Well, it's anyone who holds U.S. dollars. So that would include taxpayers in the United States and non-taxpayers. But it also includes people all around the world who have U.S. dollars and own U.S. dollar denominated uh, debt instruments because the dollar is being debased in order to fund the bank bailouts. You know, the, the Fed's balance sheet last week exploded by $300 billion. That was $300 billion that didn't exist, that the Fed created out of thin air and provided to the banks. And that's inflation. And so when you do that, you destroy the value of all the money that's already in circulation. So Americans are going to pay, not because they're taxpayers, but because they're U.S. dollar owners and U.S. dollar earners. Everybody's paycheck is going to be reduced in value because of the bank bailouts. But also, these bailouts are endangering everybody's bank deposits, even the banks that are solvent, because now it's inflation that is the risk. And so it doesn't matter if your bank fails. You're still going to lose. In the event that your bank failed, you lose your money. But now, because the government won't let the banks fail, everybody who has a bank account is going to lose purchasing power. Right, right. You mentioned uh, the Fed's balance sheet increased by $300 billion. Uh, you're saying it's inflationary. That's, that's pretty interesting because Powell yesterday said uh, the Fed projects inflation will actually come down to 2.1% in about two years, 2025. What's your response to that? Well, the Fed has gotten everything wrong when it comes to inflation. You know, first they said there, there was no inflation. And then when it reared its head, they told us not to worry about it because it was transitory. And then they got that wrong and they said, oh, well, we're going to take action to bring it back down to 2%. Meanwhile, it's nowhere near 2%. It's at 6%. But the Fed just ended its tightening cycle and began a new easing cycle. So it's gone from inflation fighting to inflation creation, except now the new baseline is 6% and we're going up from there. I think probably before the end of this year, we're going to be seeing uh, annual 
inflation rates in the double digits. Again, those were highlights from my interview with Peter Schiff. In the full interview, Schiff explains why he thinks the bank turmoil is going to be much worse this time than 2008. Watch the full interview at NTD.com. The Manhattan grand jury will not meet again today in the probe of former President Trump. They're expected to reconvene on Monday. They're considering a possible indictment against Trump for his alleged role in payments made to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. The grand jury could also hear additional testimony from an unknown witness. Meanwhile, the House GOP has ramped up its probe of the district attorney's case. Representative Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, requested testimony from two former prosecutors. But the Manhattan DA called the probe an unlawful incursion. In a letter on Thursday, he said the inquiry comes because Trump created a false expectation that he would be arrested. His office requested a meeting with the committee to discuss the details of their request. Tech consultancy giant Accenture says it plans to cut about 19,000 jobs or about 2.5 percent of its workforce. It's the latest sign that the worsening global economic outlook has been weighing on corporate spending. More than half of the axed jobs would be back staff office. The company also lowered its forecasts for annual revenue and profit. Accenture's rivals are also trying to trim costs. KPMG and McKinsey are reportedly cutting staff as well. And it's not just consulting feeling the pinch. Since late last year, the tech sector has laid off hundreds of thousands of employees due to a demand slowdown. Looks like central banks will continue hiking rates amid banking turmoil. The Bank of England today continues with interest rate hikes. The central bank raised interest rates by a quarter percentage point. This comes on the heels of hikes by the Federal Reserve and the Swiss National Bank. The Bank of England said in a statement that inflation has surprised significantly on the upside. UK consumer prices surged by 10.4% in February compared to a year ago. Relentless rate hikes are among factors for the worst banking sector stress since the 2008 financial crisis. The BOE acknowledges the volatility in financial markets but says Britain's banking system is resilient. Joining me now is Francis Hunt or the market sniper. You can check out his YouTube channel. He has a lot of views there. Now, I want to ask you first, uh, Francis, because we had the Fed uh, speech yesterday from Jay Powell. How many more rate hikes uh, do you see coming? Let's start from there. A good question. Uh, quite a bit of speculation. Uh, this, the tone of the Fed was more as per data, where previously they'd committed to a tightening cycle, which was meaning a series of ongoing tightening. It now seems more data dependent. So I think the recent events regarding the banks that ran into trouble, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, etc., it seems that they're backing off, uh, over committing to too much uh, and saying we'll be more sensitive to whatever new data is coming in and that'll be a determinant. So undershoots on inflation or PPI even could see them potentially even be at the top. Um, so we'll have to watch that. A big point I'll make additional to that is that there was a large amount of central bank cooperation. So if the Fed were to fail to increase any further, and this is the top of the tightening cycle, you're likely to see a lot of similarity with the other major central banks. So there's quite a bit of coordination. I, I call it the, the leper colony of lepers in terms of the financial system where they all seem to have the same disease.
We were expecting, the market was expecting 50 basis points before the banking crisis. Now we got 25 basis points. His reason, Powell's reason was that sort of credit conditions may get tighter because of uh, recent uh, the banking troubles. Do you think that is the case or is he worried about the banking sector? Which one do you think is their more likely reason? I think you're going to get a bit of both. First of all, it's getting it's harder and harder to get debt. We're seeing people, particularly in the car loan space, for example, there's a bit of a subprime cars things. I'm seeing big brands, solid brands in vehicles that are uh, discounting on new vehicles. So I think the, the banks will feel less confident in terms of the asset values and have, potentially having to repossess that. So I think credit is going to be harder to find. You've had six months of negative growth on housing. So in terms of valuations, you're going to see far more conservatism, underwriting uh, conservatism. So there's that. I think credit is going to be harder to get to. So we're going to see an asset price disinflation that's a reduction um, broadly in valuation and then i'm also of the view that they had to raise because if they had not raised a little bit people would have seen that as a major admittance that there's a deep-seated crisis so they have to show a bit of false bravado of confidence but not excessively so so that's why we ended up with the 25 basis points 50 basis points would have been riding rough shot over the markets uh, and would have had a most adverse reaction I, I i expect to the fragility that is truly there but the fed will always understate that fed and their job is to be a calming voice in times of fear. So I think there's a little bit of uh, deeper concern going on behind the scenes if you're leaving that one to me. A lot of people saying that right now it's not a good time to be looking at upside opportunities. Do you agree with that? Um, it depends if you're how broad you are, a macro view. In terms of gold, I'll highlight that gold's made new highs against the Australian dollar, new highs against the British pound, new highs against the Japanese yen across an absolute smorgasbord of emerging markets like the RAND, uh, the Indian rupee, uh, you know, the, the, the major BRICS. So gold investment is definitely capital preservation. And I've referred to it before as the golden arc that will transition you from the rickety old train that's going to die on its warped railway lines to the new monorail. That's your upside. With regards to something like equities, the big spenders now is actually government. We have, retail is crushed. The consumer is crushed. And I'm, uh, I think more and more that realization is going to come through. So we've seen the military industrial complex equities at close to highs. And I think the European ones uh, are going to continue higher. All right. Thank you, Francis. And once again, check out his channel, Market Sniper, if you have your time. Uh, pleasure talking to you today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. The new CEO of Starbucks says he will work as a barista once a month. Laxman Narasimhan officially became the coffee change chief executive on Monday. Today, he explained his vision to employees in a letter and to shareholders in a meeting. He plans to work in a Starbucks store for half a day every month as part of his goal to improve the employee experience. By doing so, he says he hopes to gain a better understanding of both workers and customers. He also says he wants to continue the reinvention plan his predecessor started. He's going to invest a billion dollars to update training and equipment, as well as offering higher wages and more benefits for non-union workers. Shares of crypto exchange Coinbase fell 14% today. The drop happened after the Securities and Exchange Commission threatened to sue Coinbase over certain crypto products. 
Coinbase said the SEC is likely looking at its prime and wallet products and aspects of its spot market and staking service. Staking is the crypto equivalent of sort of putting your money in a high yield savings account. But instead of the bank lending out your money and you receiving some of the interest, in staking, you lock up some of your coins to help run the blockchain. In exchange, you earn rewards for that. Coinbase said it asked the SEC which assets it's concerned about, but it declined to answer. Meanwhile, analysts at TD Cohen said the only way to clarify how the law applies to crypto is through litigation. Activist Hindenburg Research has taken a short position in shares of Block, causing a massive reduction in share price. NTD Char Marshall has more. Activist short seller Hindenburg Research on Thursday disclosed betting against positions in Block Incorporated. Block is a global tech company focused on financial services. After finding potential wrongdoing, Hindenburg usually publishes a report explaining the case and bets against the target company hoping to make a profit. Block is made up of Square, Cash App, Spiral, Title, and TBD. Shares of Block slid 20% to 57.85 in pre-market trading following the report's release. The report alleges that the Jack Dorsey-led payments firm overstated its user numbers and understated its customer acquisition costs. Hindenburg is the same short seller behind the recent $100 billion market route of India's Adani Group. In its report, Hindenburg alleges Block has a huge customer base of criminals. Quoting a former employee saying, every criminal has a Square Cash App account. The report also alleges there's even a gang named after Cash App with members arrested for fentanyl distribution. Block emailed us a press release stating that they intend to work with the SEC and explore legal action against Hindenburg Research for the factually inaccurate and misleading report that they shared about our Cash App business today. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Block stock closed down 15% today. Taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, the world's first 3D printed rocket launches towards space. Did it make it? The TSA weighs in on whether peanut butter is a liquid or not. What does it mean for your next flight? That and more coming up on NTD Business. world's first 3D printed rocket launched towards space yesterday, but failed to reach orbit due to an engine issue. Relativity's Terran 1 lifted off from Cape Canaveral, Florida last night. But the spacecraft ran into issues. The engine was burning fuel too fast, and as a result, the rocket didn't have enough power to reach orbit. As you heard from our launch director, we did have an anomaly with Stage 2 during flight. But maiden launches are always exciting, and today's flight was no exception. Although we didn't reach orbit, we significantly exceeded our key objectives for this first launch, and that objective was to gather data at Max-Q, one of the most demanding phases of flight, and achieve stage separation. No human was aboard the rocket. The company says the mission could be a prototype for its future plans to haul lightweight satellites into orbit. While most rockets today rely on some 3D printed parts, Relativity's Terran 1 relied on 85%. It's not yet clear when or if Relativity will attempt another launch. 
And spread the news, the Transportation Security Administration considers peanut butter a liquid. That means you aren't allowed to bring large containers of it onto planes. The TSA explained its ruling in a Twitter post Tuesday. It defines liquid as something with no definite shape that takes the shape of its container. The agency says peanut butter fits this definition and therefore must be in a 3.4-ounce container to pass through security. The issue took off last week when podcaster Patrick Nev had his jar of peanut butter confiscated at airport security. Nev shared the experience in a Twitter post and it went viral. The post generated a flood of likes and responses with many pushing back against the TSA rule. And that's all today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. I'll see you tomorrow.